Behind every great beer is an even better story. Welcome to the Beer Healer Interviews. Tasmanian beer scene in the last few years has really exploded. Once dominated by two major brewers, there are now over 30 breweries in the state. There is now a real and vibrant craft beer culture that's popped up thanks in part to those breweries, but also the venues that support them and the various personalities and characters that sit around the periphery. Another element in this craft beer movement are the various beer festivals and events that are dotted across the calendar in all parts of the state. Which brings me to my topic for today. On Saturday the 20th of October, the Hobart Brewing Company will be hosting the 2018 Hoptober Festival, and they've invited a couple of their local brewery mates from Shambles and the Winston to collaborate on a few beers. I could spend ages telling you the backstories of my guests today, but I think you would prefer to hear from them directly. So welcome to the Beer Healer Interviews, Scott Overdorf from Hobart Brewing, and from Shambles, Cornell Youngkulovic. Oh, thanks for having us. How did I go with uh, pronouncing your name, Cornell? Bon on, I thought you were going to ask Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, so I've got a couple of beers in front of us, let's crack them. Going to the mics with a... Sounds fantastic. So we've got a beer from Shambles and we've got a beer from Hobart Brewing, and the boys are drinking each other's beers. So Scott, what do you got first? Hmm. I got. I just took a big sip of the Shambles Brewery Summer Ale and uh, crisp and refreshing and hitting the spot. Delicious. The aromas are just popping out of the can. I've got the same because I have to drive tonight. Cornell, what do you got, mate? Um, I, I have to drive too, but I've got the uh, <laughs> Colorado IPA, the freshly canned uh, batch from Hobart Brewing Company. Fantastic. And talk about aromas popping out of the can. Both both brews only can in sort of last what, week or fortnight pretty much. Yeah, the Summer yeah. Ale's a little bit older, but yeah. Fresh as hell, fresh as hell. Rightio, so let's get the intros out of the way. I'm going to give you each 30 seconds to uh, sum up your career. Cornell, you can go first. Uh, teacher, home brewer, midlife crisis pro brewer. <laughs> and here we are. Scott, how about yourself? Yeah, well, yeah, I used to wear a suit and tie and, uh, yeah, lived in Germany for uh, three years when I was younger and had the beer epiphany, became a home brewer, uh, which got out of control, quit my job, Came a brewer, and here I am in Tasmania a bunch of years later. All the way from uh, Colorado. Oh, my goodness. And um, you certainly look like a brewer these days. I can't imagine you in a suit and tie because here you are in a flannel shirt and a hat with a nice big beard. So <laughs> you certainly look the part. Um, I've got to say, um, both these beers I've had recently, I'm bloody loving what you guys are doing in the local market with the big boy cans. I Didn't somebody say, I think somebody said recently that 440 cans are the new 375, and didn't you guys come out and say over at Shambles that the uh, the pints are the new 440s? Yeah, it's not quite a pint. We're working our way up. So <laughs> as soon as they invent a pint can, we'll go. <laughs> we're, we're amongst friends. We can call them pints, I guess. So, um, Let's let's talk about the Hoptober Festival. There's, there's so much going on around the venue um, in a couple of weeks' time, um, but it's really a, a celebration of the humble hop, wouldn't you say? That's right. You know, uh, Two years ago, we started with a traditional Oktoberfest, but as the, as the year progressed, we were getting we had released the Colorado IPA, which features American hops, and uh, the North American well American hop um, harvest happens to be in September October. So we decided to change our focus back to the the ingredient we all love as brewers, the Almighty hop. Yeah, nice. We sort of we sort of say it's all about the hop, but. I reckon it's also just as much about connecting with the local people, uh, the local ingredients. I mean, the Bushy bushy Park Hopfields are just up the road, aren't they? Yeah. It's uh, not a long way from, from there to your breweries, so it's fresh as. Yeah. It's fantastic being um, that close to one of the key ingredients and especially one that's so important to us as brewers. Like I think, you know, obviously beer's got more ingredients than just hops, but hops definitely sing and pop out and for a lot of people hops are sort of the the main character, the main feature. So it's nice being so close to where they're grown. Yeah, absolutely. Bit of a shout-out to uh, Owen Johnston up at the Hopfields as well. Great bloke, great bloke. Um, so let's have a chat about the special beers at the festival. What, what have we got going on? Well, being, being a, I guess, a hop-driven festival, we, we are definitely focusing on India Pale Ales. 
Yep. And uh, we we bringing back uh, the Colorado and keg. Um, it's I guess becoming a tradition to tap the first keg of Colorado during Hoptober or Hoptober Festival. And and uh, last year we did a collaboration with the Winston with Chris Miles and yep. brewed the grapefruit IPA. And uh, this year we just wanted to just make it bigger and and get um, other brewers involved and Cornell and I have known each other for a number of years and and used to get together on his home brewery which was more automated and and schmick than than some <laughs> some big breweries more than my current brewery <laughs> and, and and we'd get together a couple three times a year and brew big hoppy beers and so I thought it would you know be fun to to do one for Hoptoberfest so, so what have you two collaborated on Cornell? uh yeah so we we have a bit of a bit of a history with this one we um we both um, when we chat occasionally we talk about the new trends in in beer and occasionally we might have a little bit a little bit of a smirk on our faces as we talk about you know new new and exciting things coming out and how they're a bit of a fad so a couple of years ago when uh, when Nipahs started to become a thing we were yeah. both kind of on the fence about them and both maybe a little bit derogatory about the whole <laughs> craze um, but then sort of more recently um, we've, yeah, well, Scott in particular had a, had a couple of really good ones and um, I've tasted a few that um, have maybe possibly changed my mind a little. Yeah. Um, so you've given in, have you? Yeah, so Scott has suggested that we, we do one, you know, slightly tongue-in-cheek for, for yep. the Hoptoberfest and, um, you know, what a great excuse to, to brew a beer together and do something a little bit crazy and, and maybe push the boundaries of, of what that that style. And are you allowed to let us in a little bit on the secret of, of the hop bill in that beer? <laughs> if we can remember. Have you got enough time? <laughs> um, oh, so this, is this the one that's been dry hop for seven days in a row? Is it that sort of thing? Yeah. 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 We kind of, um, we started talking about, you know, what, you know, what to do with the beer and, and, you know, reading articles on, on, um, you know, sort of the standards of the style and, and I guess veering more to, towards the American inception of the style rather than what what sort of um, more far-flung interpretations might be. Yep. Um, and in terms of the yeast, the, the techniques, the grain bill and also the hops and the, the hopping rates. Um, yeah, so we sort of talked about how much to hop and then we talked about what varieties and between the two of us we've sort of got five brewers. Scott has got two assistants and I've got one. Yep. So with five brewers, we thought we'd um, you know pick a hop each and oh nice and uh, you know chuck in some hops, yep. and that turned into pick a hop each and chuck in a whole box of hops because <laughs> you know why why weigh them out when you can just chuck the whole box in, which on my size of brewery is actually a lot of hops. Yeah. Um, and then I think Scott might have just yeah, been egging on. <laughs> he's, he's the inner American came out. <laughs> I was like, it's not enough. It's not enough. We need more hops. And so we went from from five to maybe we'll chuck in six. Maybe we'll chuck in maybe one more. Maybe just one. I think we ended up with eight different hop varieties in there. So And uh, look, Chris couldn't be with us tonight, unfortunately, but you've done the grapefruit IPA again. Yes. Once again, made with real grapefruits picked from his tree. That's that's correct. How fantastic is that? Oh, that's 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 as real as you can get. That, that is just unreal. Like unreal. Fresh. Yeah, yeah that, that was a massively popular beer last year, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was the people's choice. Yeah, yeah, and it, and at eight percent, it was uh, very Ooh. dangerously drinkable. So you wouldn't be driving on that one, would no. you? No. Um, but of course, the the festival is not all about the hop. It's it's based around that. But there's a lot of things to do with uh, the food going on there. You got plenty of food trucks going down. And I've got some notes here to say that you've got a, a hop and popper event going on where um, I think uh, it's Stan from Fat Carrot. He's put together an amazing spread and you, you're working on some beer matching with that as well? Yeah, so Stan Robert uh, is a farmer down in Oyster Cove, has an organic farm, and throughout the year uh, he does um, cooking where he, he cooks with everything that he's grown on the farm. And we've paired with him a couple of times in the past for beer dinners. And yeah, we just thought it would be a perfect opportunity to showcase um, his his cooking and, and skills. And he's very passionate about beer and his his beer memory or his, his palate or memory on, on what he's consumed is Immaculate. So he's. If you ever want somebody to be critical of your beer, he'll remember when he had it a year ago and say, "Did you change your hop or did you change this?" So he's. Yeah, his palate's amazing, and uh, you, you can't sneak anybody anything by him. Um, I wish I had his memory. I can't even remember my children's names sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's less important. Though. <laughs> yeah. So I think we're doing a, a five uh, course 
sit-down meal, and it'll it's it kicks off the day actually at, at twelve o'clock. It's a lunch, and so people attending will be the first ones to taste uh, the beers on offer. Oh, nice! And so it's going to be the the collaboration brews with the Winston and and with Cornell Shambles, and as well as the Colorado and and also uh, the New Zealand IPA, which we've brewed. Ah, yes, yes, I have had that. That was fantastic. That beer. Um, now, of course. As always, down at the Hobart Brewing Company and, and with Shambles, it's all about inclusivity. Um, you know, whether it be uh, kids or or women partners, all that sort of thing. So, this is continuing um, on that theme, like um, real focus on on women in industry and bringing more females into the to the industry because it's all about inclusivity. Um, what are you guys doing to sort of bring you know uh, families in into the event this time? Mm, so Ebony, our bar manager, is going to, going to be doing a, a bottle share, and is focusing on um, just opening it up to to women who want to partake and and try beers that that are new to them. You know, the person back in the fifties or sixties in marketing that thought it was a good idea to. Um, Target just males as a as as the you know gender for beer yeah. um, cut out effectively cut out fifty percent of his market. Um, but what we find, and and I'm sure Cornell sees it at, at his as well, that you know we we have the opportunity to have people come into our uh, venue and and we see who's drinking what and you know women ha- are usually the super tasters and they're the ones that are actually going after the big hoppy beers and really and yeah I, I i believe that all the all the all the wilder side of things like sours sours and stuff yeah, yeah. But I, I agree with you where where i think it might have a little bit more of a wine character yeah i think our patronage is is 50 50 i reckon course, we're yeah. probably 50 50 and and i am yeah i'm really glad that that it's kind of that that mix and i, I think it it's because it you know the beers that they are drinking, or they they can drink at our uh, respective venues. You know, is not the beer that they're familiar with. You know, the the they're going for the hop driven, or they're just going for more flavor. Or the acidity, as Cornell mentioned, and yeah, it just gives them more variety. Maybe that's the key to getting my wife interested in beer because she hates it. Maybe I need to get onto <laughs> like a kettle sour or something like that, just to maybe a Berliner Weiss or something like that, just to ease her into it because I, I cannot get her off the. The, the fizzy stuff, the champagne. It's just not working for me. Brood, brood IPAs. Oh, maybe, yeah. <laughs> Next year's Hoptoberfest. It's another one we've <laughs> I, I rolled about, haven't we, Scott? Um, but I've actually got male friends as well who don't drink beer and who, you know, like prefer wine. And when I've shown them my homebrew um, yep. and I've had, you know, male friends who drink traditional mainstream beer yeah. and w- was taking around my first IPAs um, for tasting, you know, at sort of parties. Um, and my male, fr- male friends, you could sort of see on their face, they're like, you know, oh, yeah. that's, a, that's, yeah, that's, that's a, it's a bit bitter, you know, um, even though it doesn't say bitter on the bottle. Yeah. Um, but my wine drinking friends actually preferred the hoppier, kind of more bolder, you know, more fully yeah. flavoured beers. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of, that was a bit of an eye opener for me that, you know, that, that there's this real kind of mismatch between what's traditionally beer, you know, yeah. and, and what, what we're doing now, which is not traditional Mainstream beer, yeah. extremely exciting. I've um, I've got a lot of homebrewing friends, and I've, I homebrew myself. Uh, we've had some successes and some not so successful beers, um, but I don't think a lot of homebrewers actually realise how much hard work is involved in in what you guys do. There's a lot of cleaning and and there's a lot of hours that you sort of put into your week, and it's a real labour of love. How many hours would you guys spend on site per week? <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I have to ask my wife. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, on on site, I've tried really hard to stick to like a forty hour week on site, yep. um, and just kind of stick to that. That that you know, after first year was a lot more, but these days, these year, these these days, after a couple of years, now things have settled down a bit, and I'm a bit more on top of things. It's a forty hour week, and then there's a lot of paperwork and stuff at home. But in terms of the physical side, yeah, I'd say probably twenty percent of it's. Brewing, I don't know if you'd agree. I think yeah. you know, if we brew once it, a week, yeah, the rest of the right. week is definitely not twiddling thumbs. <laughs> yeah, it, it, like you mentioned, Chris, it's it's a lot of cleaning and and cleaning again. And what we do is essentially make a mess, and we have to clean up, and we have yeah. to clean up before we make the mess. So, yeah, it's that round robin, and and that's what I've stressed with Jimmy and Alex back at the brewery that you know we do have to have that life outside of the brewery and so we yeah the the first year was a a hard slog with really long hours and um but now we're pretty much sticking to the normal work week and 
but the brain never turns off. You know, it's like always thinking about beer and, ah, oh, gee, what, what new beer can we brew next month? Or, oh, when, you know, next season's coming up. What, what would, yeah, so. Do you, do you guys have notepads next to your beds to just write notes down on when you think of a beer idea, when you wake up at 4 a.m. or something? No, I figure if it's a good idea, then I'll remember it. If, a, <laughs> if I don't remember it, it probably wasn't a good idea. Remember I said I can't remember my children's names? <laughs> I, need, I need a notepad. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I was going to say that, you know, 40-hour week, you know, I say that, but I reckon, I reckon if I think, if I looked at it Properly, I, there are lots of Saturdays and Sundays where I'll pop in and do just a little thing. You know, yeah, there's yeah. that that beer needs dry hopping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's a lot of extracurricular stuff, but you know, that's that's part of the love, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's become a lifestyle. More, it's yeah. not a job. It, it's it is a life. When when you find something that you love and and do it every day, like it's 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 gold, isn't it? Mm. <sighs> Very jealous, guys. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's go back to the hops. I want to know. Um, what was the first beer that sort of opened your eyes, your ears, your senses to the hop, whether it be like in taste or aroma? Uh, I've got a really fairly um, boring one, really, because I think, you know... Um, That's what I want. I want boring stories on here. <laughs> <laughs> no, a boring pick. Um, I'm going to say Cascade First Harvest, which is a bit of a yep. strange one, and that's because when I was younger and there weren't any craft breweries in Hobart yep. or Tasmania at all, you know, this is before Moobrew, before any of that, and, and it was just Cascade or Bogues. Um, and when I was at university and it was, you know, all the kind of social events were barrels where it was about, you know, pale ale in volume oh, yeah. and it wasn't really about, or, you know, or, or maybe draft or whatever. Um, it wasn't really about the flavour. Um, what was it about really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The colour. Yeah. The aroma. Um, I know I, I just remember um, when First Harvest came out, which is, you know, this is like 20 years ago, I think. Yeah, um, great. Yeah. Um, you know, way before craft here yeah. in, in Australia, like yeah. you know, the, um, that they were doing a hop, they were doing a beer that was using freshly picked green wet hops picked at Bushy Park up the road, brewed with that day. Um, theoretically, I, I'm assuming that yeah. they, they did it because that's the only way to do a wet hop beer is to use them really quick. Um, and I remember at the time having that beer and it was really expensive, you know, nothing compared <laughs> yeah. to what we're charging now. Yeah. Um, but, um, but I, you know, for us at the time, I, that was a real eye-opener for me, the hop as an ingredient um, and particularly from a mainstream brewery. And in, in, in the context of the time, for me, that was a um, really out there beer. Um, in this, you know, they've stopped doing it now. Um, but in this day and age, that's kind of, you know, old hat. But at the time, that was quite groundbreaking. And yeah. it really kind of made me think a little bit about what I was drinking for the first time. Yep, absolutely. What about you, Scott? Well, ironically, for me, it, it's also a uh, wet hopped beer um, with a hop harvest. Um, before I became a brewer and, and I was just a mad home brewer, uh, I lived down the road from Left Hand Brewing in Colorado, and once a year they brewed a fresh hop beer with Warrior hops. And I think what stuck out in my mind was they made such a big deal about the fact that the hops were fresh and they got picked yesterday and they're flown to Colorado from Washington State and they brewed as soon as the hops arrived. Um, but they took it an extra step where they invited home brewers or anybody actually in town that was growing their own hops in their backyard. If they wanted to pick a bag of hops, they'd chuck those in as well. And so that's what drew me into it. And that was probably the, it's the first IPA that I remember drinking. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's pretty cool. Do you guys have like a favorite hop that just seems to, if you're creating a recipe from scratch, it's always your go-to hop that just seems to crop up in a lot of your recipes? Different hops for different things. Yeah, I think um, I think we've discussed before that, like, sort of without talking about it, that that Chinook's one of our favourite kind of go-to hops for bittering. And it's kind of an unsung hero these days. It's an older hop. I was just looking to see if it was in the Colorado, but it's not, is it? It is. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't quite get around the label on the can. It was the next one, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 kind of a it's not as it's not kind of up on the pedestal these days, but it's just a really good good hop and it's a, it's a classic hop and it's not, you know, one of those kind of modern... Uh, the aromas of a Chinook are... Uh, it's, it's kind of... It's, for bittering, I, I use it a lot for bittering yep. and it's just got a really nice, spiky, clean bitterness. It's not, you know, it's, it's just a really nicely rounded bitterness. Yeah, and if, you know, any characteristics, I, I guess I would call it, um, you know, slightly piney and, and, and grapefruit. Yep. 
Um, but you know, for, for me, one of my favorite hops that does appear in, in a lot of our beers is uh, a Tazzy hop. Um, that's also kind of an unsung hero in today's world. It's the Ella, oh, yes. formerly known as yeah. Stella, Stella until, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. another brewery uh, <laughs> yeah. made notice and, and yeah. they had to change the name to Ella, but it, it's really an interesting hop because, um, depending on when you use it, you get different, or we find that we get different characteristics from it. Yeah. So used hot side, it's kind of a European continental spicy, um, type hop, um, used post boil or in dry hop, you get the more tropical fruit that, you know, yeah. people really go after. And it's so, often used in combination with say a galaxy as well as yeah, that sort of I, thing. Yeah. yeah I, I reckon the galaxy Ella is the quint- quintessential, yeah. um, Australian IPA hop combination. Yeah. We did that for our fresh hop beer this year. Yeah. Um, we Likewise. We're, and it, oh, yeah. yeah. And then it, it was just banging, like just really, yeah. really good combo. Well, I think I remember talking to OJ again about what combinations to use and he's like, yeah, galaxy Ella. You can't go wrong. Mm, yep, yep. He also mentioned Galaxy and Mosaic is a nice little combo too. Which yeah, and Mosaic's a great hop. And, yeah. and I think we've got some other go-tos that, you know, if, you, if in terms of late hopping and dry hopping, Amarillo's a classic. I still like using that in, in lots in of beers. IPA, yeah. Especially in IPA. Yeah. Simcoe's just a fantastic hop that, again, in this day and age is kind of probably used a lot but probably not talked about as much. Yep. But is just a yeah, just a real put down a beer with Simcoe in it myself. Actually, I've been trying to perfect this summer ale, right? So I want to have Galaxy in it, and classic sort of stone and wood type thing. So I can have it down the shack around four percent for the yeah. summer off keg, just a nice little thirst quencher. Yeah. And I started out with the Galaxy in it, and I just got way too much passion for it, almost to the point where it felt like it was a little bit tart. So I've added a bit of uh, mosaic into it the second time around. Third time around, I've really dropped back the galaxy quite a bit and added a bit more of the mosaic to try and get that sort of fruitiness. And then I've done the same base beer that I think I've got Amarillo, Simcoe and uh, Citra in just to – it's all about learning with these hops and and trying to perfect it. Just playing with them is just fun. It's just fun to experiment with different combinations and using them in different times in the beer and, yeah. I'm learning a lot. And and that's what's really cool with the beer that we've brewed together uh, for the Hoptoberfest is, you know, it, how many hops did we uh, We ended up with eight, but the yeah, original yeah. the original idea was five brewers, five yeah. hops, and let's try and stick, let's try and pick some hops we maybe have never used before or yeah. used sparingly. Yeah. So the first five hops that went in were a little bit different that but, none of yeah. us have really used. But we still managed to get Galaxy in Yeah, there. yeah, because <laughs> it's a classic. Are you guys a fan of uh, the hop blends that are sort of starting to pop up here, there and everywhere these days? Never use them. You mean things like um, like the, the – The new ones that are coming up where they're Fort, like a Fortnite. secret blend of this Fortnite, and that. Fortnite, yeah. Bintani oh, and, and, and Falconer's Back Flight. Yeah. Actually, Falconer's Flight was a hop we tried to get but we couldn't get our hands on, and that's yeah. a, a blend of seven different Yeah, there's hops. two different versions of it, and one of the versions of it is called Seven Seas, and it's got – seven yeah. of the C hops in it, in, uh, in the blend. Right, and okay. I'm assuming in equal proportion. So that would have pushed us up to like 14 different <laughs> hops. <laughs> yeah. we, we couldn't get it. But yeah. No, I, I haven't used any of the blends. I mean, yeah, like you look at you look at the IPAs that we tend to brew and we make our own blends. Oh, do you? Yeah, well, yeah. As in, well, you know, as in, as in this, this Nipa, it's got eight different hops in it. You know, we didn't need a blend. We just yeah. kind of yeah. chucked a bag each of everything that we could, <laughs> we could find. And what about... Brewing in simplest form. I'm, I'm talking smash beers. Like we've all we've all made them. Some are better than others. And what's your what's your go to hop if you're making a smash? Whoa. I don't really like smashes. <laughs> oh, don't you? Um, no, I'm I'm a really big fan of smashes for um, learning about a hop. Yeah. Um, yep. But as a general thing, I usually crave. Personally, this is me. I personally crave complexity. Yep. So I I have one that I brewed recently with a new experimental hop from HPA called 016 yes. um, that is yeah really citrusy. They're kind of touting it as their next galaxy. High alpha, it's highly citrus, great tasting hop, really good. And and I really like the beer and it's had really good feedback, but I just rebrewed it and changed it because I just, yep. just one hop is just a bit too one-dimensional. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't know about you. Yeah, you nah, smash beers? yeah. I'm I'm on I'm on the fence about a lot of beers, but yeah, smash. This I love the idea of a smash beer. You know, it's as simple as you can get: one grain, one hop, 
and make something really drinkable and interesting. And and I kind of agree with Cornell that on the hop side, I think he can pull it off with the with the malt. You can go single malt and still have something that has, you know, the malt is the soul of the beer, so it gives it the backbone. And, you know, you can still get that with a single grain. But with a hop, um, unless the only hop that I've ever um, – really enjoyed as a single hop beer is a mosaic and all other hops i just yeah i i agree with cornell that it, they lack depth and and it's um it's hard to find that you know that i guess that's the challenge as a brewer and, and interestingly enough you know anchor brewing they're doing a smash beer back in the 70s their yeah. liberty ale liberty. Yeah. is just cascade hop and yeah. and their base malt and yeah. yeah they make it work so it's the so skill of the brewer like so, so maybe a Nevada pile all cascade as well no i think they had one or two other varieties yeah, okay. in there as well yeah i mean um yeah we've there are good smash beers out there. I'm yeah. not, I'm like um, even the Moobrew single. The Moobrew, I actually yeah. really like that I really beer. Like it too. And I, um, mm. it's Enigma, is it? It's all Enigma, yeah. yeah. And that, and that's not a hop I use a lot. Um, and and in I've had it in other beers where I've thought, yeah, it's not bringing a lot, but actually yeah. on its own in that beer it works really well. Yeah, it works really well. Um, and it's and it does you know it does what it's supposed to do. That beer is just amazingly sessionable and yeah. just really you know it's it's got flavour, it's got um, texture, and it's you know really really drinkable yeah. and it doesn't so, smash you in the head. Yeah, and that, so I think that's you know the art of the smash beer is it goes back to the skill of the brewer and yeah. the execution. Yeah. Some skillful brewers are from out there and have come from that brewery too, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> um, let's sticking on the favourites theme. I'm, I'm looking at the two of you, sort of probably a, almost a generation apart, maybe not quite. <laughs> I, I don't feel it. I, I want to know. Like I'm in the same generation. Do, do you guys crank the, crank the stereo in the brew shed? And if you do, what's your go-to playlist or band or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> you first. Oh yeah. Well, let's just say it's a lot of Bruce Springsteen and, <laughs> and perhaps uh, Neil, Di- uh, Neil Diamond. I didn't say Neil Diamond, Neil Young. Oh, um, nice. That was the beer talking. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I guess, yeah. Kind of stuck in the 70s perhaps. Yeah, yeah. I don't know which one I'm closer to you, to you guys in age. I think I'm maybe a little bit different. Yeah, I'm 42, so I'm probably oh, no, closer. Not that, not that different. Oh, right, yeah, okay. I obviously look younger than I am. You don't have as many greys <laughs> in your beard about as me. about to turn 40, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. And what about yourself? What are you? Um, just all over the place. My musical taste is it just depends on the day, how I'm feeling. Um, I think we both joked that I think when um, the day Trump got elected, I think I sent Scotto a text and he said he was playing Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. <laughs> I literally had as well. So that gets a bit of a spin. But, yeah, I don't know. It just, um, just depends on how I'm feeling. I mean, I'm trying to think, think recently. Recently, it was Radiohead. Before that, it was Pink Floyd. So there you go. It gives you some idea. And I think before that, when Adrian was around brewing last time, it was like some kind of proggy metal type. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it sounds like you're operating very different breweries, the two of you. Um, What do you do? You have a brewery that has influenced your career, as in the beers that came out of it, or the people, or perhaps working there, or yeah. For me, that that that's pretty easy question to answer it'd be the mountain sun in boulder yep. um they opened in 1993 and so they just celebrated their 25th anniversary and back then i was you know a very bad home brewer <laughs> um there wasn't much craft beer that was widely available and here was this brew pub opening up and it was the first time i ever heard the term and um you know their lineup of beers in 1993 was a, a Java porter, a coffee porter, uh, an 8% pale ale. That was called Triple X. <laughs> um, they brewed a beer, a braggot, that was brewed with honey and lemongrass. And so they were doing things that I'd never even Get out heard. there, yeah. Mm. And um, so, it, it, you know, as a customer from from the day they opened and, and it influenced my home brewing and, and you know, circumstance uh, would have it that um, 15, well, whatever the years were later, 12 to 15 years later, I found myself brewing there. And so it was my dream brewing job as well. Cool. And so it was a, but the pull to come to Tassie was just a touch stronger. And, and so it was a decision to, you know, leave Mountain Sun to come here, but, and they, and they still influence me and, and, uh, even might even have a Mountain Sun, not collaboration on the horizon, but I I have a big birthday coming up. And so I might be brewing one of their beers. Oh, perfect. Perfect. What about yourself, Camille? Um, I I think as when I, when I got into 
home brewing properly, you know, started doing it from all grain, um, we used to just kind of taste as much as we possibly could get our hands on. It wasn't a lot back then. Back then there weren't that many um, craft bottle shops around. Um, but, you know, probably before that, I'd say um, as the craft beer thing was starting to happen in Australia, the, the bigger sort of players were an influence on me. So, so you know, early days. Um, goat little, creatures. Goat, yep. goat and creatures. Yep. Sort of the first, you know, this is ten years after that experience with um, with um, first harvest. You know, now we're getting like breweries that are just pumping out these hoppy pale ales. Scott's opening his shirt here to show us his mountain goat t-shirt. Nice. <laughs> you know, these breweries that are pumping out really tasty hoppy American pale ales all the time. You don't have to wait once a year to get them. Um, so that was kind of a big influence for me. And and um, visiting um, Perth. Um, we went on holiday and um, went to Little Creatures back yep. back when they were that. That's where they were based. Do you like to uh, craft beer hijack your holiday family holidays as well? Do yeah, you? yeah, yeah I, I did. <laughs> not any, not anymore. Don't have holidays anymore. Um, um, but um, yeah, visiting that venue and kind of seeing that, I think, was kind of stuck in my mind. As you know, I'd love to love to do this one day in Hobart. So that was kind of you know a big influence on me. That that the venue, the beer, everything about it was great. Um, but I, yeah, I'd say locally, you know, Mubru mm. is is was a it's a huge influence on me. Like yeah. having 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 the scene happen in Australia, you know, and goat and and creatures and that kind of on the mainland um, is one thing. But seeing someone do it here and do it so well, they were our trailblazers, weren't they? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I went to yeah. uni with Owen, so I sort of knew him. Yep. Um, back then, and to sort of see what he did with that brewery, and to, for it to be everything it said that it was. Was yeah. kind of really impressive to me that what? it was all about quality. It was all about class yeah. um, and consistency. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just really everything about it, just you know, shiny. You yeah. know, <laughs> they, were, they were so ahead of their time. I remember going yeah. one time out for a uh, a corporate function out at Marilla, and they had all the Moobrew beers on tap. I, this is years ago, and um, I was a. I don't know, a two is extra dry drink or something like that. And I was there about, there's about 10 of us, and I think we all ordered a, a Moobrew Pilsner. And of those 10 of us, about eight of us all just put them straight back up on the bar, so, oh, this is rubbish, and ordered a, I don't know, a Cascade Premium Light or some rubbish like that. And I think it just, I think of that now, and I'm slightly embarrassed, but obviously I just was not ready for the extra taste, aroma, bitterness in a beer. And now, you know, here I love to drink a double IPA, but back then wasn't ready, was I? Well, we've mm. all been on that journey. Yeah, you know, like like I said, I, you know, I think back to the uni days and and you know drinking for volume, not yeah. not for flavour. Yeah, and the, the the you know the less flavour there was, the better. Yeah, <laughs> because you didn't want it to kind of get in the way of a good time. Yeah, <laughs> that's, I think also, that's embarrassing. That's yeah. you know <laughs> going thinking back and going you know how how much I care about beer now and what goes into it and how it tastes. Yeah. Back in the day, it was more about me stealing Dad's six packs of VB out of the fridge than anything, I think. Um, look, we're all involved in social media, thanks to craft beer in one way, shape or form. Uh, sometimes it's a blessing, sometimes a curse. What I want to know is how how much attention do you guys pay to the ratings on rate beer or, or your scores on Untapped and that sort of thing? Is that always on your mind? <laughs> well, it is a conversation that we we often have with uh, other brewers, and uh, wow, is it always on our mind? It's not always on our mind. We do check the ratings. I would say we check in once a week, and depending on which beer we're actually checking, it can either be a you know a happy day or you know <laughs> it can be a bit disappointing. But you know, it's it's a tough one because that's the world we live in today. And, and mm. you know, yes, we have, you know, we enjoy our, our jobs and look forward to going to work each day and have our creativity. But our work is on public display, yeah. and, you know, for people to, to comment on. And that that's just, that's the way it is. And we all love talking about beer. And, and yeah, it's not always, I, the, I think they're, they're important. They, they have a purpose, but, you know, if you think about number of people that actually drink beer and the number of people that use the rating systems, it's still a small population and you can't take it too seriously, whether it's, you know, complimentary or otherwise. And sometimes if it was proper feedback where it was 
critical and, oh, that person's right. We could make a little bit of tweak and improve. But usually it's, it's not based on what the beer actually is. It's more of, you know, well, I don't like really like a wheat beer, but I'm, so I'm going to give it a two. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's, that's where it's, it's one of my a, pet thieves. Yeah. You, you taste it, you get the app out because that's what you do, and then you go one star, I don't like dark beers. Yeah. Why are you drinking it and why are you writing it? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, fair but enough. That, yeah, but, that, you know, like Scott, I agree with everything you said. Like that's the world we live in. It's, it's you know, I, the the idea behind the app, well, those apps, those, you know, behind rating things is actually great, you know, like being able to kind of share your experience with other people, um, record your experience as well for posterity. And I remember, you know, when we were home brewing and drinking a lot of craft beers, we, you know, do bottle shares, um, me and my home brew buddy. Um, Do you have your beer and, diary? And yeah, well, yeah. and we were, and but then then uh, rate beer came out, and so we could just kind of log it in the app. Log. It was great, yeah. and we could put you know we could yeah. put our notes in. It was fantastic, and it was actually we we sort of kept it as a log for ourselves. The concept that it was going out there and actually affecting a brewer didn't occur to me at the time. Um, and now being on the other side, I'm kind of like, yeah, it's probably better if it was just a yeah, personal yeah. log. But you know, people want to get online and and want to. Want to you know? They're choosing where to go. They're choosing what to drink. They want to. They want to get some sort of heads up beforehand. So Power it's of the personal personal recommendation. Yeah, yeah. So we don't. Yeah, yeah like Scotto, we don't pay a whole heap of attention to it. But we, um, I guess, yeah, occasionally check in, have a look at how things are going, and if you know something's consistently, if someone if someone has an opinion that actually makes sense, then we'll probably you know reflect on that. But what's interesting, and this is just a little side story on that, on you know, using Untapped as an example, our highest rated beer on Untapped, we recently entered in the Indie Beer Awards and it didn't get a medal. And then the beer that got a gold medal is one of our lowest rated beers on Untapped. So <laughs> go yeah, figure. That's something that, <laughs> yeah. I guess the, there's there's good and bads about the internet, I suppose, with that. I, I for one, I'm quite happy that it exists because I wouldn't be doing some great things like this right now because mm. uh, where would I be posting this interview if we uh, didn't have the internet? So um, look, as a home brewer, I'm always trying to find that balance between trying to perfect a recipe and rebrewing that one recipe or trying to, you know, experiment and try the next big thing. Is it the same in the in the professional sense, or do you have to play the rules a little bit more? Depends on your brewery, depends on your setup, um, yep. and how much freedom you have to play. Um, in the early days, when we first started up, um, it was all kind of like seat of the pants. <laughs> um, brew, you know, brew, brew four different beers. Let's you know fill the tanks up. Let's get open. Let's put them out there. What are we doing next week? Yep. You know, and so there was a lot of playing. There was a lot of. Um, I originally kind of thought that we might just because we're you know brew pub we might just brew a different beer every day, you know, and and not worry about having a core range. I remember saying to Scott, "Oh, we just won't bother with the core range. Why we have a core range?" <laughs> um, and then you realise people actually like the summer ale and they're coming in for it. So yep. if you don't brew the summer ale, you're going to piss people off. Yeah, you know, and you've and and they're new customers. Like so, the business reality hits, and you kind of go, "Okay, I'm going to rebrew that." Then it becomes about perfecting that beer. It becomes about what can I do differently this time? What what did I like about the last batch? What would I want to tweak? Um, and then when you've got an empty tank, it's what can we put into that? What can, how can we be creative? What can we do differently? So there's a bit of both. Yep. Now I think a couple of years down the track and we're both sort of scanning now and, and there's pressure on the tanks we have, um, I think a lot of it is about kind of, um, you know, pumping out the, the beer as, as, you know, as, as good as we can, you know, highest quality. And then playing around the edges with. So it's like it's all about a schedule, isn't it? It sounds like um, yeah. being married and having a family and stuff, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. The, 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 the schedule kind of, yeah, it wasn't much of a problem until, yeah, sort of this year. It's now become really important to, to schedule ahead for us. Yeah, and, and for us, you know, I just want to say, you know, for like Cornell and, and Chris Miles, who isn't here tonight, you know, I have a, a lot of respect for them, you know, starting their breweries um, because they've. That's their first, you know, foray into the industry, and and so really, you know, bringing a lot of knowledge and experience, but their their actual brewery time was their own as they're starting up, and so, uh, you know, I have tremendous respect for them doing that, and and for me, I I've I have 
been fortunate to have been at three kind of high-profile breweries, Moo Brew being one of them. And so starting up Hobart Brewing Company, I could draw on, on what I liked best from each brewery and try to put that into a process. And, you know, there's it, it does start with that recipe, but it's the execution of the recipe that really um, – goes towards the quality and consistency of the product. And so it's, it's you know, it's taken us, uh, oh, we, we tweaked our, our, the three beers that we first put in canned, cream ale, Harbor Master, and extra pale ale. Each of those recipes and the process of brewing those beers were being tweaked for two years with the final version being the versions that were brewed for can. And so that's, that's us, you know, learning our tools and, and what we can do and what the limitations are. And, and as Cornell said, how, even with the limitations we may have in our respective breweries, how do we still brew the best beer that we can? And then with that moo brew tick, do it consistently, yeah. you know, each time we yeah. brew that, repeat that beer. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's that's, and that's the joy of being the brewer. And, and that's what gets us out of bed each morning. And that was a, that was actually a hard sort of learning curve at the beginning is that the temptation you know, the summer ale was the first beer we put through the brew house, um, and I think in many many breweries, your first, however many breweries, you just dump down the drain. Like you were just yeah. kind of they're, they're test batches. You kind of you 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 know kind of honing in your brewery and dialing it in. Um, that I didn't want to throw away any beer. <laughs> um, so even if it wasn't exactly the beer that I intended, um, if it was you know drinkable and quality and you know if, if the quality was there yeah. and it's a drinkable beer it doesn't matter if i thought it was going to be something else yeah. um and so it was actually just tweaked the name it was a stout now it's a porter <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> what's the difference um but that whole thing of at, at the beginning of, of wanting to kind of uh, i had to, to rein in that kind of homebrew tendency to change stuff all the time you know and after after i got the summer out to a point where yeah. i was kind of happy with it and i thought it was the beer it could be um yeah, there are a couple of batches there, and I thought, oh, maybe I'll just you know yeah. chuck in, yeah, and yeah. just these little tweaks. And I, I tried something, and it you know it made it worse. And at that point, I kind of went, oh, back off. Yeah, you know, this is yeah. this is this is the bit where you kind of realise that that it's working. It's the beer that you wanted it to be. You don't need to play anymore. Now you yeah. just need to do it again and again consistently and work on. And the slow bit of all that is too, you can only change one variable at a time to know the impact. And yeah. so that's when I said it took us two years to really dial it all in is because only one thing could be changed at a go. And uh, You guys are both lucky that you both operate breweries with, you know, tasting rooms or whatever attached. So you get that, that immediate sort of feedback from your customers. Have you noticed in the last couple of years how how the drinkers have changed? Has their uh, knowledge on beer uh, increased? Uh, are they looking for different things? What are you seeing? It's still a mix, really. I think um, I think... <clears throat> You know, when we opened the may, – maybe there's a slightly higher percentage of people who um, who know a bit more about beer, um, but yeah. I'd still say that, um, you know, half the people that walk in um, are coming in because they like the summer ale and it's the easiest drinking beer we make and they just want that plus the atmosphere plus, oh, yeah. know, plus the food or whatever. Yep. So I think there's a lot of people that just come along for the one beer they like. Um, and there's a lot of people that would come in and be really critical of, you know, each beer and want to kind of analyse them. I don't think there's been that much of a change in the last couple of years in Hobart in particular. Yeah, I, I would say that, you know, at our venue, I, I'm always surprised. We're, I won't say we were conservative. We were, we were able to open with five beers and, <clears throat> and they were, you know, uh, in my view, um, coming from where I come from, the, the alcohol level on those beers were, you know, kind of mellow. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so we, it was a, we were a, a year or two in before we started pushing, you know, bigger, um, bigger beers. And, you know, I was a bit nervous doing that, but there was no hesitation at all. You know, people just embraced it. And, and so, awesome. yeah, we haven't looked back and, and we're not afraid to, to, to try, you know, almost any type of style of beer that, you know, we have an itch to brew and, and that's what's been fun. Actually, yeah. maybe, that is, maybe that is probably the biggest change is that um, even, though, even though they're probably the same proportion of people who, um, who might care deeply about the funkier, weirder, more out there beers, there's probably a larger proportion of people who will try them in the first place. Yep. Um, who, you know, will kind of come in and go, what's a, what's a saison? 
Let, yeah. Let's try that. And, that's and, that's good in itself, isn't it? it? Yeah, yeah. Just have a try. It's like teaching kids to eat vegetables. Yeah. Just try. Saison <laughs> 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 is like vegetables. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, back on the Tassie Brewing scene, I mean, you guys would know it, it is pretty tough down here. We've got a small market. We've got the Bass Strait that sort of blocks everything. So logistically and you know financially, it's hard to get beer across the strait. And of course, traditionally, we've had the two large breweries who have like pretty much dominated the beer scene. It's a it's a real mainstream sort of feel down here. So I guess the new wave of breweries kind of have to help each other out wherever they wherever they can. So work with me here. I've got this idea. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not sure how feasible it would be, but what if and how much fun would it be if we put all the breweries into a hat and picked out two names each time and then those two breweries do a collaboration beer and then we have a festival, one in the north, one in the south, perhaps the same weekend, where those collaboration beers are served only on that one weekend. How much interest do you think that would – would that even be possible? I don't know. I thought it was a pretty bloody good Great idea. idea. Amen. I like You're it. You're in? in? Yeah, totally. Right, can we call it the Beer Healer Festival? There you go. <laughs> Beer Healer Collaboration <laughs> Festival. Uh, I like the idea, yeah. Logistically about trying to get all the beers timed right might be a bit tricky, but, yeah. um, you know, depending on what you brew, yeah. Oh, actually, no, if, if you're partnering up breweries that are that can easily have access to each other at the right time of year, that would definitely work. I, yeah, yeah, you know, like for it. us, you know, we, we've we've always had open doors and, and have done collaborations. We had a collaboration beer that we opened our venue with, yep. with the, that we did with the Weedy. And so for us, it's a chance to see how other breweries operate and, you know, check out their process and, and, and what their brew day looks like. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd be totally yeah. for that. Yeah, it's the best way to elevate everybody and and bring. And you're uh, right, like you know, like there, there's that's probably the most asked question of the last yep. two years. It's tight. It's it's been asked less recently, but in the first year or two, the number one question was, "Oh, there's a lot of competition around. Are you worried?" That was kind yeah. of like the repeated yep. question. Yeah, no, I'm not worried. This is fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, there goes my explicit lyrics warning. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just joking. Keep it out. You want me to class and do it again? No. Um, um, no, as in, you know, like the, the more of us, the merrier. Like, uh, uh, you know, Scotto, um, when he was at Moobrew and I met him like back then before before either of us had kind of started our own thing, um, we talked about, you know, Tassie being ready for this. You know, they're, they're being kind of small population, but Scotto kept telling me about Portland, you know, and that's kind of the one that, that everyone mentions, like yeah. what an amazing city that, that has like way more breweries sustained than it, than it, than it conceivably should. Yeah. And it works and it works because they work together because they actually are, you know, they're, they're kind of protective of their little yeah. area and they, um, you know, they, they kind of, I'm, I'm sure they don't all get along, but as a, as a, as a group, they, they kind of support each other. Yeah. And and if we do that and we kind of work together to kind of make everybody want to drink all of our beers, yeah, that's better than us. I, I mentioned to Scott from uh, Deep Creek Brewing in my last podcast that over in New Zealand they're kind of like Voltron taking on the big guys. You know, everybody teams together to try and take them <laughs> on. But I, I was one of those guys, and I'm happy to say that I, I think I might have been wrong, that I was when you sort of crank the numbers of how many people in the state and how many people drink beer and then how many people are interested in craft beer, you know, it didn't seem sustainable. But, you know, people like yourselves who have created these breweries and then created some great venues off the back of those breweries where they can serve their own beer, I think that's that's really key for mine because you're not at the, at the you know, you know, with the pub down the road, which might have a contract with one or the other big guys, you're not at the mercy of that. You can sort of control your own destiny a bit, and it's really starting to change things. Yeah. Mm. And it's the old German saying, you know, the beer is freshest in the shadow of the brewery. And, and so when people walk through, you know, our respective doors, they're not just having a beer, they're having an experience. And it's that experience that they take with them that yeah. when they see our can somewhere, they have that you know, recognition and hopefully a, a happy memory and said, yep, I'll take that. And yeah, so it's, it's an experience. And, and I think it's with the changing drinking culture too, of drinking better and drinking less. And yeah, so it's a win for everyone. Happy days. Last question before we get to the fast five, what beer do you like to enjoy at the end of a long brew day? Cream ale. Cream ale. Okay. I'm, I'm sort of a split between IPA and summer ale. Summer ale. Yeah, so, yeah, some some days I'll just feel like refreshing, easy drinking. Yep. Some days I'll just feel like hops. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. All right, 
Let's get to the fast five. I don't know how this is going to work with two of you, but uh, <laughs> you go first. Really you go first each time. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> oh, we have, we have to work it out. We need to work amongst ourselves to sort this out. I'm going to put 90 seconds on the clock. We've got five questions for you guys to answer. Boys, your time starts now. Has beer ever led you astray? No. Never? No, no. It's just a path to enlightenment. I don't believe you. Cornell? <laughs> Um, yes. Oh, you've talked about university days, so of course it has. Many, many times. Started with one Cascade Pale Ale and ended up in, in a gutter. Hmm. Uh, Scott, the most famous person you've ever shared a beer with? Whoa. <laughs> Good question. Whoa. Thank you very much. Cornell, while well, Scott's thinking, maybe? <laughs> uh, Scott, <laughs> He's worked at three awesome breweries. <laughs> Jeez, the fame... Uh, Famous person. I've no, no one. Be, uh, not, not the. Just quietly, you, you're having a, a beer. Oh, with, I'll come back to that. You're having a beer with the beer healer tonight. So, <laughs> uh, uh, so you mean real famous? Not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what has beer done for you that nothing else has in your life? Uh, it's given me a job that I look forward to going to every day. Uh, it's yeah, it's, I'd say the same thing, but yeah, probably come back to that one as well. Joy. Yeah, joy, um, heartache, stress, <laughs> love. Grey <laughs> hair. Um, no, no, no. It's given, it's given me something that I can be passionate about that is 100% of me, that I can kind of pour some myself into something um, and put it out there. And I, I, I know whether or not it's good based on whether or not people are drinking it and, yep. and enjoying it. Yep. Uh, nice. I think uh, the time might be up, but we'll keep going. Uh, let's pretend it's not. Yeah, the power see. of editing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what's the best beer experience you've ever enjoyed? Uh, best beer experience. Um, it would have to be driving six hours on a Friday at the end of a, a long, long, hard you know week at work, and you got the you're going to have a nice weekend in the outdoors, and you, but you still have the buzz of the highway in your your ears, and so before going to bed, I'd pop open a. Uh, a bomber bottle, a 22 ounce, a 640 mil bottle of Avery Hog Heaven. Nice, <laughs> nice. What about you, Cordell? Um, I'm going to go back to sitting in, on a sunny day um, outside at the Little Creatures Brewery in Fremantle, um, having a wood fired pizza and having a beer that was just poured straight off a bottle. Yeah, they they do it well there. Um, and that and and that you know the common now back then that was that was just yeah. heaven absolutely. at the time. Absolutely. Um, what's the biggest thing you've learned in your craft beer journey? Biggest thing, uh, it's not about the beer itself. It's it's about every it's about the people that are in the industry. You know, it's 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 a collective group of people that are very passionate, very um, creative, and they'll do anything for each other. You know, to help everybody get further along. Which in and at the end of the day, only brings a better product to the punter. It was a lot easier when it was just home brewing. Now it's a little bit more serious. Uh, well, guys, thank you very much for uh, joining me tonight. Uh, it's been fantastic. I've really enjoyed myself, and thanks for the beer. It's been sensational. Uh, best of luck with the Hoptober Festival. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. Unfortunately, I won't be there. I've got to take my son, oh. take my son to the X Games. So it's the same weekend <laughs> in Sydney. So... Anyway, uh, all I've got to say to you boys is uh, cheers to great beers. Cheers. Cheers, Chris. Good Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another Beer Healer interview. I really hope you guys enjoyed the episode as much as I did. If you want to follow along with more Beer Healer content, you can check out my Facebook, YouTube and Instagram pages. Just search Beer Healer or you can visit beerhealer.com. If you like the podcast, can you please help me spread the word by subscribing and rating it and sharing it with your beer-loving friends. Till next time, cheers to great beer stories.